I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey folks and welcome to Australian UFO Sightings official podcast. I'm your host Anthony Goodall and you're listening to Encounters Down Under. Here we invite guests on the show to tell us about their encounters with aliens and UFOs, where most of our episodes were streamed live from our Facebook page, which gave listeners the opportunity to ask questions to our guests regarding their encounter. If you have had an encounter and would like to be a guest on the show, please get in touch with us. You can send us a message through our Facebook page, Encounters Down Under, or send us an email at outlook.com.au. Be sure to join us on Facebook and share with your friends and family to help us grow, and hopefully encourage others to come forward with their encounter. If you're an iTunes listener and a fan of the show, why not give us that five-star rating and review, and you could have your review featured on the podcast. But enough of that, let's get into what you've been waiting for. So kick back, relax with your favourite beverage, and enjoy the show. G'day folks and welcome to another episode of Encounters Down Under. We have Jan joining us on the show to talk about her abductions she remembers as a child, as well as the strange objects she had seen, which some could have potentially been following her. She then also goes on to talk about her experiences with the paranormal. So please welcome to the show, Jan. G'day Jan, welcome to the show, great to have you on. Thanks Anthony, that's good, good to talk to you. That's great having you on. Um, thanks for getting in touch with me, it's got me really interested um, in your experiences there, um, especially like when you mentioned that you had a bit of a military background. Not that it's to um, sort of give anyone less credibility on their experiences, but, you know, a bit of a military background, so it does give that bit of a higher regard when it comes to experiences there. So um, if you don't mind, if you um, just tell us about your experiences there, and I'll let you take the wheel. Okay. Thanks, Anthony. Um, yeah, it started when I was about three, um, as in, you know, things that you think you dreamt. Um, and I, I remember one night... Um, I was sleeping on an enclosed veranda at the front of the house. Mum and Dad were at the back of the house in the kitchen. 
And I don't know what woke me, but I remember someone wanting to take me. Couldn't see who they were, but I went to run through the door to get to mum and dad out in the kitchen and I couldn't get through the doorway. There was like an invisible barrier there. And I tried and tried and tried to get through and I couldn't. So I started screaming and crying and begging for mum and dad to come and help me. They couldn't hear me. I could see them moving around. They were moving past the doorway, but they could not see or hear me. So the next thing I remember is being able to float over the town that I lived in at the time. Just floating over, I could see everything down below. And I, you know, thought this was just great. Um, and then, you know, that happened, I don't know, a couple of times. But it was still terrifying. Each time was terrifying to have to go because I had no control over it. Um, and um, oh, where was I up to? Uh, and then one night I woke up. I was sleeping in the house by this stage. It was winter time, so I'd moved mum had moved me into the bedroom where it was warmer. And something woke me up this night, and um, I could see a black figure of a a man, tall man. He's stepping out through the bedroom window and our bed, my bedroom window at that stage, I was the only one in there, was about eight feet off the ground but he was just stepping through it like it was nothing and because I let out a scream, mum and dad came in, you know, oh it was just a bad dream, now don't worry about it, just dreaming um, and then another memory I have is of being in a playground in I don't know what sort of structure it was. It was grey, but I was in a playground, but there was no noise. The kids, I was with other kids. There was no laughing, no giggling. We were just going up and down these slides, on these swings, and there was a bloke standing to one side with a, a clipboard in his hand but he had no expression on his face at all. And that unnerved me because it wasn't a normal playground that I could relate to. So those memories stuck with me all these years and I thought, well, you know, they, they were just dreams as, as you put it down to as a kid. Um, but it wasn't until many years later that I realised they weren't just dreams as things progressed. So when I was about 15, uh, we were driving between Grafton and Casino one night, going to see my grandmother for the weekend. And in those days, cars didn't have air con. It was a hot night, so I just wound the window down and stuck my head out the window and I was looking straight up and there above the car was a triangle with red outline illuminated outline and a red centre in the middle of the triangle. So I watched it for a few miles, didn't say anything to my dad. And then after a while it started to unnerve me because we'd been, we'd gone probably 10 miles and this thing was still above the car. So I said to my dad, I said, Dad, don't stop the car, but there's a triangle that's been following us for the last few miles. 
And my mother, who, you know, didn't really see eye to eye with her, wanted Dad to stop the car. So they get out and have a look. And I'm saying, no, Dad, don't stop the car. Whatever you do, do not stop the car. But he did. And I don't know if you know this road, but it's about 80 kilometres of nothing. No, no houses, no shops, no servos. It's just, you know, there's nothing there. And this was at night. So we got out and we're standing there and we're watching this triangle sit above us. And then just as, oh, I mean, we must have stood there for five minutes. And just as we went to get back in the car, this thing shot off over to the east, gone. So, you know, we, we don't know what it was. There was no, from what I, what I can think back, there was no lost time. Um, you know, it was just there and then it wasn't. I don't know how long it had been following us before I saw it, which was the scary part when you think about it. So anyway, um, moving on to, well, what was that, 1974. Moving on to 69, or going back to 69 actually, um, we lived on the coast and mum and dad and a couple of neighbours were out one night talking and over the back were the cane fields, sugar cane fields. And uh, they were watching this light come down over the cane fields. And it was just sort of moving a little, you know, backwards, forwards, backwards and forwards. And then it shot down a beam of light into the cane and did that a couple of times. And, mate, the terror I felt that night was just unbelievable. It just, yeah, I just could have got under the bed. I don't know why it had that effect on me, but it was just sheer, utter terror. So, you know, by the time 1974 came around um, and that triangle, I don't know um, what had changed in me. Maybe I was more curious about this sort of phenomenon. But nevertheless... Um, stopping to view that object above the car was more than a little daunting. But um, anyway, moving on to 90, 92, my husband and I went on a camping trip to the Kimberleys which was something we'd always promised we'd do if we ever got to Western Australia. And one, this one night we had decided to camp up on a station on a dry creek bed. And it was sandy and there was a, a big tree that we pitched the tent under for a bit of extra protection in case it rained, which is highly unlikely. And there was probably a couple of other campers around in vans, tents, you know, up and down the, the creek bed. And in those days, the property owners wouldn't allow cattle trucks onto their property at all. It was forbidden. I don't know why, but they just, in the dry season or, or maybe it was all year, they didn't allow semi-trailers to come into the properties. 
So we just got into bed this night, about 10 o'clock, and we're laying there in the tent. And we heard this noise, like a whirring noise, come sort of with fairly close to the tent. And it was had me a bit worried because I thought if it was a truck, it could have run over us. It wouldn't have seen us in the dark. And I said to my husband, I said, gee, that truck's a bit close. And he said, yeah. I said, it's not going anywhere though, it's just idling. He said, oh, I didn't think the property owners let them onto the property. I said, no, neither did I. And then as we sort of finished that conversation, we heard it move off. But when it moved off, it just seemed to glide away. There was no clanging of gears, changing gears, exhaust or anything. It just oh, gone. And then strangely enough, we rolled over and went to sleep. Got up the next morning. We looked at the, the watch. It was seven o'clock. We thought, bloody hell, we don't sleep till seven o'clock when we're camping. We're up at dawn, packed up, ready to go. So, you know, we're sort of thinking, oh, we must have been tired than what we thought. So we go out and get out of the tent to sort of have breakfast and that and realise all the other campers had gone. Never heard a noise, never heard a sound, never heard their cars drive past our tent, nothing. We were just completely out of it. And I thought, you know, it, at the time I thought, yeah, that was strange, but you don't think anything more of it. And then we got into Derby oh, a couple of days later, bought the newspaper, sitting down reading the newspaper, and I read an article where a woman and a husband were sitting out off Derby Sound that same night and they had been um, swooped by a UFO that made a whirring sound. And I said to my husband, I said, hey, that's the same night that, you know, we heard that sound over the tent. And he, you know, nah, nah, it wouldn't have been that. And I'm thinking, well, it wasn't a truck because, you know, there was no no tyre marks on the the sand where it led down to our tent site, where the road led led to the tent site because I hadn't looked. There was no, no tyre marks from any trucks. So anyway, we, we sort of let that go. But when we got home... We could not cut ourselves off from wanting to go back to the Kimberley. We, we were like homesick. We used to sit out on our patio every night for about three months after that and just say nothing, just sat there. It was, it was just the weirdest feeling. At the t not at the time, but looking back, yeah, that was really uh, strange behaviour for us. So um, anyway... You know, you sort of think, oh, yeah, that was an experience. Yeah, move on. So we came back to the east and um, I get a job at um, a major university in Brisbane. And I'm doing the last rounds this night about 10 o'clock, checking buildings and whatnot. And I'm walking across a grassed area 
to check on a hall that sits standalone out in the middle of a courtyard. And as I'm leaving one building to walk across to this other one, I look to my left and there was a ball of light sitting in between two path lights. These path lights, I suppose, were up 10 feet off the ground on poles. They were two, two round globes that used to sit on top of poles. And I, I stopped and I looked at this light and I thought, gee, that's weird. I've never noticed that path light there before. And I'm staring at it, trying to sort of make sense of why it's sitting so low when the other two are sitting up so high. And anyway, I thought, I'll go and check this building and then I'll come back and go over and have a look to see if it's been a newly installed light or whatever, because after you've worked at a place for so many years, you get to know, you know, where things are and what's been changed and, and whatnot. So I went to move off, walk off, to, to go over to this other building, and this light moved with me. And I thought, hang on, I don't think that light just moved. I'm sure that light just didn't move. So I stopped and I thought, I'll just go back the way I came. So I took a few steps back and it moved in the same direction. I thought, oh, I'm going mad here. So I, I thought, what am I going to do? I'm not going over to check that building now because I'm freaked out. And that was a dark building. Um, I couldn't get on the radio to call up any of the other blokes because I thought, well, what am I going to say without sounding like I'm nuts? So I went to walk over to this other building to do a last check and this thing just followed me, no doubt. It's going with me. So I stopped and I thought, nah, nah, I I'm not going there. I raced back to this other building. I didn't have my phone with me, so I had a, a public phone that I had a coin for. Picked up the public phone. I'm talking to my husband and I'm telling him what I'm actually seeing. And he's going through the, the, the gamut, oh, you know, it's not a blimp, it's not this, it's not that. And I'm going, no, 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 it's not that. And the next bloody minute, this thing took off. And it went out, it went up and over this building and I could see it shooting off out to the west. And I'm just going, don't worry about it, it's gone. It's gone. I said it was following me. Oh, it couldn't have been following you, he says, you know. And I went, uh, okay, it was following me, end of story. So anyway, about in between, in between times, I've got to say, I used to get woken up at night by a blue flashing light that I didn't know where it came from. You know, you, you see it through your eyelids. Be this blue flash and then I'd wake up and think, oh, where'd that come from? And you'd wait for it to happen again, but it wouldn't. And that was happening fairly often. So anyway, about two years after this orb, I um, was in bed one night. We'd moved house, still in the same city, but moved house. And I was sleeping up in the front room because my husband was a chronic snorer. 
So I used to pop it up to the front room. I'd, I was on afternoon shift, so I'd not long got home. And I was laying, I was asleep in the bed and we had bay windows at the front of the, the house. And I was asleep and um, I got woken up by this truck idling outside the window of the house. And we didn't live in a street that was big enough to accommodate a semi. And no one in the street that I knew of drove a semi, but it was a truck idling out the front of the house. So I was laying there listening to this truck idling and I'm thinking, oh, mate, you know, it's just so annoying. Move the bloody thing and get out of here. And I just sort of went to reach up to open the, the um, blinds to see who it was and where they were. And then I heard it move off. And I laid back down and I thought, oh, good, I'm going. But because we lived one house back from a corner, I didn't hear it slow down to go around this corner. So again, I'm thinking, what are you doing, mate? You know, just get out of here. And then I hear it come back. So again, I'm reaching up to open the blinds to see who it is. And the whole room lit up in this white light. It was bright, it was hot. It was the most amazing thing. And I could see everything clearly in the room, but out in the hallway it was black. It was, it was complete darkness. So it was just my room that was lit up. Um, and that lasted for a couple of seconds, maybe, not even that long. Then I rolled over and went to sleep. I thought, yeah, yeah, I remember thinking, wow. Then I rolled over and went to sleep like, that's the norm. Just like that. But a Just like that, yeah. No, having said that, though, the next day it bothered me when I got up. I thought, what the hell went on last night? How could I have gone back to sleep? What, what is going on? A couple of nights later, again, in that same bedroom, I was sleeping with my back to the door and something woke me up and mate, I had, well, I was paralyzed with fear. It's the only way to explain it. And I was laying there and all I could think of was to say, please go away, please go away. Whatever you are, just please go away. I couldn't move. I was, it was just utter terror and it went away. And then I went back to sleep again you know so we moved out of brisbane came up here and i got a job at the airport here and because we live 30 k's out of town i used to have to leave here at three o'clock of the morning to be at work by four to start work and it was an unner it's an unnerving experience because we live in a uh, locked community. So I'd have to get out at the gate, open the gate, drive through, close the gate, and then on the way. And we live about 10 k's off the main highway. 
So, you know, it, it, towards the end of my time there, it got to the point where every morning I'd go out to get in the car, there would be an owl sitting on the fence next to the car or up on the corner of the roof. And I used to think it was lovely that this owl would just sit there and wait for me. But if I was running a bit late, like a few minutes late, I'd hear him pecking on the corner of the roof, you know, and then he'd watch me go out the driveway and that'd be it. Anyway, one morning I was going down the road, leaving our gated area, and there was another little side road that comes off from the right where there's a couple of houses up behind a few of the paddocks there. And this vehicle came out of this side road, turned in front of me and didn't have any headlights on. Just these, I could, all I could see were these, this red light, which I assumed was his tail lights. So I thought, that idiot's got no headlights on. So I tried to catch up to him and I'm flicking him with my lights to sort of let him know that he needed to put put his lights on. But no response. And he's just moving by this stage. And I'm thinking, well, it's an 80K zone. Plus you've got kangaroos, wild pigs and whatever else around. So I wasn't going to take the chance of trying to catch up to him for fear of hitting one of those. So he's way up ahead of me, still within sight, and I could see a car coming the other way. So I thought, well, I'll just dim my headlights and get past this bloke. But as these headlights approached these red tail lights, the headlights disappeared. And I thought, no, no, that's, yeah. Some poor bastard's gone off the road. I'm going to have to pull up and help him because, you know, he's had an accident. That's the only, the only thing I could come up with was he's gone off the road. But the taillights in front of me, they're still going. So I slowed down looking for this car, thinking he's gone off either side of the road. But there was nothing. I couldn't find it. So I caught up to this other set of lights but they turned left and went down the highway out of town, which I thought was pretty odd for that time of the morning. But, you know, um, but I still don't, I still can't explain to you any better than that, how these headlights just blinked out and vanished. Because that's what happened. That was pretty much my last experience of, um, strangeness, I suppose you could say, you know. But having said all that, um, I've never told anyone, never told my kids about it until a couple of months ago. It's just one of those things that, you know, you... Um, hesitate in discussing with people that aren't of the same mindset, you know. But I have had paranormal experiences and um, they've been a little, 
I've had good and I've had bad paranormal experiences as well. So, um, yeah, it all seems to go together, doesn't it? It does. It sort of seems to be um, throughout time people have been researching on the whole topic of the UFOs and they've actually sort of come to the conclusion that there is some sort of connection there between the paranormal and UFO world. So, yeah. But I totally yeah. understand what you're saying there, like where it's... Yes, everyone's sort of keeping things themselves, like especially from your time of growing up, you know, it's mm. quite difficult to go and uh, reach out when this sort of experiences. Um, like yeah. you're saying, like unless people have the same mindset or they had their own sort of experiences where they can sort of relate, they won't talk to about it at all. Um, I suppose, well, yeah, because of stigma attached to it. For, for me, as a kid, and being so young, I, I couldn't explain this phenomena but to me it was a boogeyman and that was the only way I could explain it um, and I used to sneak into my parents bed every night and climb down in between them just so I felt safe that these people wouldn't come back to get me you know um, maybe that was the reason it stopped maybe they were just done with me for the time being you know but um yeah you you don't you never forget that that terror you know you stop living it but you never forget how it terrorized you at the time and you couldn't verbalize it because you didn't know how so um yeah that was pretty scary but as i've gotten older i've come to even though the the events have been totally unexpected and out of the blue. They're easier to, um, uh, I wouldn't say accept, but you've got more control of your situation and how you respond at the time, you know? So um, I, I believe that that orb that night was the precursor to the visitation in my bedroom. Okay. Because yeah. I'd never I'd never seen an orb before. So, and I haven't. Hey, well, hang on. That might that might not be entirely true, because okay. coming coming home, I used to work at a air force base. And I was coming home one night, 10 o'clock, and as I drove out the gates of the Air Force Base, I noticed there was a light up ahead of me in the sky, but, you know, a fair distance away. And I thought it was just, um, I knew there was no training flights that night, so I thought it was one of the choppers coming back from a run. But when I turned left to go through I mean, a fairly wooded area of land. It, I suppose this stretch of road would be eight kilometres long where the, the bush come and the trees come right up to the edge of the road. Um, I turned left to go through this stretch of bush and the next thing I know, this light is shining down through the trees at me. And I'm thinking that shouldn't be there so I'm, I'm in an old land cruiser and 
this thing was keeping pace with me, not that I was going that fast, but I, I really started to sort of get a bit frightened, so I started to speed up. And I think I had that old girl up to about 120 kilometres an hour, but this thing kept pace. And the thing I remember most about it was there was no flashing strobes on it as a chopper would have for night flying because we get them here going in and out quite a bit on uh, training exercises. This one had no flashing strobes, no noise. It was just this light. And as I approached the outskirts of our town, it just veered away. So, you know, I really can't say what that was, but it scared the bejesus out of me. Yeah, yeah, I think you'd definitely hear the chopper blades or the motor and all that sort of stuff, the noise from the chopper itself yeah. sort of hovering above you. Like, those things are bloody loud, especially the military ones at that. Well, and, and that's it. The only choppers they had at that particular base were the rescue choppers. Yep. There weren't any military ones. So I knew how, I knew the sound that they made and because they've got the big four-blade rotors on them. This made no, no sound at all. So, yeah, by the time I got home, I was pretty quiet. Yeah, no, I don't but, blame you. It's um, one of those things that you just, you can't get an yeah. answer to because it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. No, I didn't. Absolutely didn't. So, yeah, but, um, yeah, it, you know, interesting. Yes, I'm waiting for the next one. Um, we have had occasionally hear flashes of light at night. There's no storm, no cloud, nothing. Just a flash of light. And, yeah, it, it sort of is enough to, to sort of say, oh, did you see that? And my husband will go, yeah. And the power will sort of dim a bit, and then that, that'll be it. Is it like so, a flash that's sort of like illuminating the whole area around you or the house as well, or...? Uh, it, I couldn't say for sure if it's outside the house because we're normally inside the house when this happens. It's happened once through the day and then it's happened once at night. But the source of it is just a mystery. Okay, wow. Just absolute mystery. So, um, yeah. Yeah, because I'm trying I to can't. think like maybe like a, a meteor or something like that's going like that. Yeah. They get pretty bright, but I don't think there'd be something that bright that would, um, it, it illuminates your whole house or anything like that and it's usually pretty yeah. quick and you, if you're having like constant ones as well I don't think you get those kind of meteors happening very often it's quite rare well, that they get that bright yeah I've heard people talk talk about ball lightning but um, I've never experienced ball lightning so I couldn't say yeah. that's what it was either um, but I, I did have another experience a very strange one in this house um, just before I started working at the airport. This would have been about 2010. Um, we were in bed one night and um, through our bedroom door you can see the kitchen sink 
and um, I, there was a noise, you know, I heard this noise out in the kitchen and I sort of rolled over and looked out and there was a figure standing at the kitchen sink. And I thought, it's my husband getting up to have a drink, you know, so I sort of put my hand behind me. I don't know why, I just, something weird about this figure and I put my hand back to see what, if it was my husband. My husband was still in the bed. And I thought, Oh, well, who's at the sink? So I sort of had another look and he was standing there, sort of just looking out through the back window, but he was extremely tall and dark, dark figure. No, um, he wore like a um, skin diver suit. That's how fitted, you know, the, the clothing were. Um, and he seemed to have a flat top head. You know, his head was very strange, which was why initially I put my hand back to see if my husband was still there because I thought, my husband doesn't have a head shaped like that. You know, but this bloke thing <laughs> had a really flat top head. And again, I rolled over and went to sleep. So... Who knows what it was? That's strange. Like, what, um, did you take any notice of like the, the, I think contours, not the right word. I'm not sure. Like, but just like general shape of the body. Like, yeah, have like length of arms and legs compared to the I torso. See, yeah, no, I couldn't see his arms. I'm thinking he may have been the same as the one that went out through my bedroom window as a kid, because he was yep. tall, skinny, and um, had the tight fitting black, um, like skin diver suit. Yep. Um, no, I couldn't see his arms and I couldn't see any profile. It was just the head and the length of the body. Um, and I really don't remember thinking much of anything other than, well, it's not my husband, who is it? Um, I don't even know what, what he'd done to wake me. I know there was a noise, but I don't know what the noise was. That's very strange. Did you happen to take notice of the one that, um, that walked out of your bedroom window, if he had a bit of a flat head as well? Could, no, his head was already out the window. Okay. It was just a bottom part of him that, he was, that was going out through the window when he woke me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, because I was still trying to like think like, I don't know, I don't know if you would have heard of the paranormal side of things. You're like the hat man. I'm thinking like a top yeah. hat kind of thing going on. But yeah. if he's got like a skin tight suit on and said the trench coat like I think hat man usually has or whatever. But yeah, certainly um, why he's got a flat head. I've heard of the hat man, and I've also heard of the slender man. Yeah. And I'm thinking he's he he was more like the slender man than the hat man. But his head was abnormally large. Yeah. You know, so yeah, that that bothered me for a while. Um, but that's the only really weird experience I've had in in this house, and we've been here fifteen years, so I'm not looking to have too many more. I hope. <laughs> we can only hope so. So I was going to yeah. go back to um, when you were driving along, I think when you were, you were 15, um, you would drive along yeah. down to um, 
graphs, and I think it was. Yeah. Now, whether you drove on that road, well, um, I know it's probably like back in the time where probably a lot of, not a lot of people were traveling, but did you happen to travel past any other cars or trucks any at that time? No. So nothing at all. So. No. It's sort of. Um, no, no. Uh, there's been stories there where people like sort of think they're being thrown like it's a bit of a dimensional sort of or alternate di- dimension or reality or something like that and without mm-hmm. you even realising so you'll be travelling along thinking everything's just all normal and fine and then um, you know something happens and goes on and then something might sort of trigger you go well what's just happened something just happened but we just don't know what um, yeah. I'm sort of wondering if that might have been one of these cases where you're cruising along and until you've noticed this craft sort of hovering above you um, without noticing any other cars, traffic or anything unusual, this sort of thing happened, kind of thing. Like, like a time slip? Maybe a time slip, but you said there was no missing time. But, but, um, did you take, happen to take notice of the time or anything like that? No, no, I didn't, Anthony. You know, at 15, you, I, I was in a place where I didn't want to be and that was in the back of that car, regardless yeah. of my grandmother. Um, I would have rather been doing other things, but um, no, I didn't notice. And this is the strange thing about all these things that if there is any missing time, I haven't been aware of it other than the the um, campsite yeah. at the property and um, not not waking up at our usual crack of dawn time. That that concerned me for quite a while to be honest. Um, But, um, you know, talking about um, dimensional time and that, I have had an out-of-body experience that um, just blew me away. And that was when I was 22, 23. my brother had been killed when I was 21. <coughs> Pardon me. And um, we, yeah, we, we grew up, we were pretty good mates. And um, anyhow, one night we were, oh, we were in bed and I had a 12-month-old and a 6-month-old baby. And my sister-in-law at the time, was sleeping out in the lounge room on a sofa bed. So I got up through the night and I initially thought I was going to the bathroom, but when I got out into the hallway, I turned and went down into the dining area and um, my brother was sitting at the table and... I just said to him, hey, what are you doing here? You know, we've been worried about you. Just, you know, no emotion. There was no emotion. It was matter of fact. Um, And he just said to me, let's have a brew, sis. That was his word for a cup of coffee. So I made two cups of coffee, sat down at the table. And um, we just, you know, I I sort of went like this and pointed to my sister-in-law. He said, don't worry about her. She won't wake up. So we just chatted. And he said to me, 
don't worry about your husband and the kids. He said, I'll look out for them. He said, I've got to go. There was no physical contact. There was no hug. He just left. And I put the cups back on the sink and went back into the bedroom. But when I went to get in the bed, I was already there. Oh, wow. So I thought, wow. Anyway, I laid back down and um, got up the next morning and my husband was getting coffee and I was getting the kids sorted. And we sat down at the table and he sat where my brother had sat the night before in the same seat. And I looked at him and I just went, and I'd completely forgotten the experience. And then all of a sudden it just hit me. And I just looked at him and I went, oh, you're not going to believe what happened last night. And he said, what? So I told him. And he said, oh, you know, he said, you're, you're going to have to go and get help. He said, you're not dealing with this very well. I said, no, I'm good. I'm good. I said, it's okay. And um, it was only a matter of months later, my, my little boy was just starting to walk and he escaped out of his bedroom one afternoon and my neighbour alerted me to him um, being running wild out in the front yard. We had no front fence. We are on a main road. I ran out to get him and just as I was going to run across the road, he was on the opposite side of the side street. He was getting ready to step out into main traffic. Just as he was doing that, I stopped, put my hands over my face and I prayed, please don't let him step out. Just please don't let him step out. I heard the cars go past. I opened my eyes and he was standing there just looking at me. And I thought, oh, my God, you know, wow. He'd have been killed without a doubt. He'd have been killed. And from that day on, my brother was good to his word. He saved, I don't know how many times he saved my son from his own actions as he was growing up, but <laughs> he did. And then um, when we were living in Perth, my husband was in the Air Force. Um, they were going to Albany to do a military flyover for some uh, festival or something down there. And I was again working at the airport and um, he'd left, say, on the Thursday. Early hours Friday morning I woke up and all I could smell was his scent in the room. And it was a very unsettling sort of feeling and this was probably three or four o'clock in the morning so I just sort of threw his pillows off the bed thinking you know that's what's sort of um, unsettling me but that didn't stop there by about five o'clock I, I still couldn't get to sleep because this scent was just hanging in the room so I got up got ready for work got the kids off to school I couldn't eat breakfast. I couldn't even have a cup of coffee. I felt sick. I went to work and I was doing a 12-hour shift that day. I took 
food in to eat and that, and I, I couldn't eat it. And every, just randomly, this smell would come back. And I think, you know, you, you'd try and shake it off. You know, I can't stand it. Just, yeah, you know, it's really unsettling. It's scary unsettling. So this went on for the full 12 hours. I was exhausted by the end of the day. I still couldn't eat, still couldn't drink. Went home, 10 o'clock that night. My husband rang me and um, I was talking to him and I said, look, I'm coming down there. I said, I can't stay here. I'm coming down. No, no, no. He said, you stay there. You're not travelling the roads this time of night with kids, you know. So I still couldn't sleep that night. The smell just kept coming in waves. Um, got up the next morning, said to the kids, we're not staying in the house. I had the day off. We're going out. So we went out for the day. Came home that afternoon and um, had tea. Kids went to put the TV on. Just as they put the TV on, the phone rang. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. And, um, oh, I beg your pardon. The night before when I was talking to my husband, he said, oh, guess what I'm doing tomorrow? I said, I don't know. What are you doing? He said, I'm going in the flyover because he was a technician. And I said, be careful. He said, yeah, I'll be all right. I said, no, be careful. Yeah, 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 I'm fine. I couldn't get through to him enough to 
the message I was trying to give him. So anyway, on the Saturday night, you know, the kids had tea. I still hadn't eaten. It's going on for 36 hours you know, since I had anything to eat or drink. And the phone rang. So I picked it up and there was a voice on the other end of the phone. This is so-and-so. This is flying officer so-and-so from Rathbase. Your husband was... Uh, no, there was an incident today and there's been a plane crash. Blah, 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 blah. And uh, I even knew the number of the plane that went down. And uh, I said it was 55, wasn't it? And he said, I don't know. I said, no, I'm telling you, it was 55. So I said, well, where's my husband? If he's okay, where is he? Oh, he said he's, you know, they're being debriefed or whatever. So anyway, with, with that phone call, everything just went out of me. You know, it was like a water being let out of the sink. It's the only way I can describe it. And a little while later, my husband rang and he's telling me all about it. And I said to him, it was 55. You were in 55, weren't you? He said, yeah, I was. How do you know? I said, mate, if I told you, you wouldn't believe me. But I said, when I tell you in future, be careful. I said, just be careful. Because there's a reason why I'm telling you this. Um, anyway, when he got home the next day, I sat him down and told him exactly what had happened the previous 36 hours. And it spooked him. The colour went from his face. Pardon me. And it just spooked him. And I said, well, you know, if you're, you're freaked out by it, think of the 36 hours that I went through. The smell just um, wouldn't go away. And, you know, the thing was that he was in that plane, but he wasn't in the accident. He got out. Someone else got in. There was a pilot error and, yeah, the plane went in. So, um, Did the that, passengers survive? Yeah, 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 they both survived, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, that stuck with me for a long time because it made me feel then that any intuition I had about anyone, it was my responsibility then to keep them safe and try and perpetrate that um, feeling that they have to be careful because you know something's wrong, but you don't know what or when, you know. So, um, yeah, that really spun my wheels. That would have been like a really incredible emotional time for you, like especially after like losing your brother yep. and having the, the out-of-body experience there, like, especially like not long after, and this whole thing just happening to like a big chain. Um, that would have been really stressful and emotional. It, emotional, the emotion was when he was killed. That, that was highly emotional. The out-of-body experience was a reassurance that there's more to this life. They're gone, but they're not gone. 
they're, they're in another dimension. So they can be right here beside you, you know. Um, they're, they're a higher intelligence because they're above earthly um, urges, if you know what I mean. I mean, when I told my father about this experience, you know, he said, why can't I talk to him? Why won't he come to me? I said, Dad, you've got to accept their death. If you don't accept death, there's, you've put a barrier up. And if there's a barrier there, nobody on the other side can get through. You've got to accept the death to bring the barrier down so they can come across to you. And, um, you know, and that's, that's what I had to do. I had to accept his death so that I could live with it and not let it turn me bitter um, and cynical about life, you know, um, because the, the circumstances surrounding his death were very weird, to say the least. There was so many different things I was told because he wasn't killed in our town. He was living in another town. Um, and, yeah, we could never find out the true facts of the accident. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I had to come to terms with all that. And if this helped me do that, well, then it did. It did the job. I've also heard so, stories like where um, people have like sort of a bit of a higher spiritual sense in some cases, like um, people who are a bit more open-minded to the whole fact um, or if they have different connections, I suppose. I don't know. Like it's, it's a weird concept to get your head around when it comes to sort of yeah. paranormal to spiritual sense kind of thing. You know, um, some people have it and some people don't or some people can work their way to achieve such goals. It's a really weird uh, concept, really, to try and work it, it out. It is, and because I was so young, I didn't think I had reached that level. Um, I used to talk to my dad a lot about things like this because him and I were very like-minded on um, UFO um, theories and paranormal. Well, when I say paranormal, you know, things like we've just talked about. So, um, yeah, I've always been very open-minded. And I do think there are things that happen around us that there is no explanation for that we are meant to understand in this life. we just got to accept it, good or bad. Um, you deal with the bad, but you embrace the good. So for me, that was um, good at its best. You know, he was there comforting me. And that was exactly what I needed. Absolutely. Uh, I hope it actually helped you get through um, that whole time, which obviously did yeah. at some point, which is absolutely amazing and incredible. And regardless, um, you, you've managed to get through it. So it's just sort of strange how you like you get these sort of little uh, intuitions or little hints that something's going to go wrong, but it's one of those annoying things like you just never know what's, like I said, you, you don't know what's going to happen, but you're feeling that something is going to happen. And it's like, well, what's the point of giving us these hints that something's going to happen when we can't do anything about it. It's, it, to me, it's, it's a frustrating sort of, I don't know, what would you call it? <laughs> it's, 
it, it, it actually, it's absolutely was um, frustrating as well as tormenting, you know. But I think for me, the hardest part was I felt I was being made responsible for the well-being and safety of someone who I couldn't control. You know, um, he was an adult. My husband is a grown man. How could I say to him, don't do that because I have this feeling? You know, my dad used to always say to me, go with your gut. If something doesn't feel right, don't do it. And so that's what I've always gone with. Um, and that's, you know, what I say to my kids. If it doesn't feel right, don't do it. Don't go there. And all my years doing security work, doing night rounds, if one night I didn't feel safe going to a particular point in a location, I wouldn't go there. Because obviously um, there's something going on there that I don't want to encounter. So... Um, yeah, you know, it, it's it's your survival instinct. It's a strange concept, isn't it? And like I was saying, you can't get your head around what's going to happen. Like, it, but like you get the same sort of feeling though. Like, if you're going to go on like a, a um a ride on a theme park or something like, you know, you get that same sort of feeling. Like it's it's a sort of sense of fear, but excitement at the same time. But yeah, um, like what are you supposed to do with that? Like, it'd be the same sort of intuition, like going, oh, don't go on that because it might be something like bad might happen, or don't go on that airplane. Because you get that little bit of feeling, like you know, that sense of dread that something could go wrong. Yeah. But it's like, yeah. well, how do, you, how do you know that something is going to happen unless you just go in there? Like, whatever's going to happen is going to happen eventually anyway. There's no stopping that. And that's the annoying part. Like, they give you, like, little intuitions and hints, but it's going to happen regardless of how you feel. Yeah. Yeah. Well, for, for you know, particularly if you get that intuition for someone else, for yourself, you're, you're in control. You can either ignore it or take note of it. Yeah. Um, but if that intuition is in relation to someone else, yeah, that's very hard, very frustrating. And uh, I, I would not like to be the kind of person who is that intuitive where everyone you meet, you get a feeling about what may happen to them or... Yeah, an illness that they're potentially um, going to contract, you know, that sort of thing. I don't think I could um, deal with that, not not after experiencing these things. Yeah, that'd be completely stressful being one of those people. Um, I can't think of the word now. Like, um, <clears throat> not, um, I've lost my words now, but um, empath. Um, people who are like you know they've got a strong connection with emotional sort of senses of people and you know um, yeah not, not psychic I suppose but it could be same sort of concept but you know like you're saying people have these all six senses or whatever and that and like I think that'd be a sort of a horrible ability but sort of a welcoming ability at the same time um, you know it's it would be a very frustrating yeah. thing to experience that throughout your whole yeah. life. Yeah, absolutely. 
But um, anyway, yeah, well, thank you for your time. No, no, it's great um, having you on. If um, it, it's been very hard to, um, what's the word I'm looking for, keep everything in chronological order because it's over such a long period of time. Yeah. You know, I'm 63. This has been going on, you know, over my whole life. So there's virtually 60 years to try and conjure up these um, memories that you tend to push down for so long. Yeah. You know, it's... Um, and it's been amazing because I belong to a group of women who have all experienced... Uh, paranormal and UFO experiences and I found talking to them I've been able to remember a lot more of past experiences which has been surprising and um, for instance the one where I was in the playground with the other kids I had forgotten that one until I was talking to one of the other women and she brought up something about seeing a man standing there with a clipboard. I thought, how bizarre. You know, I wonder if she was one of these other kids that were in the playground that I was in at that time. Yeah. How would we know? Was this the same place? Was this the same time? Were we having a shared experience? You know, it's just um, amazing when you try and make sense of it. It is, yeah. But you never will. No, unfortunately. And like, I know you're running a time there um, yep. for yourself there, but uh, just a couple of questions here. Like, um, yeah. Especially with the, the playground there, um, like, was it like a normal sort of environment? Like as if like, no. you would be in the park or was this like just a playground in the middle of some weird, weird room? No, it wasn't in a park. It was in... A structure. That's the only way I can describe it, Anthony. It was a grey structure. Um, and the strange thing about this structure was there was like a partition around the playground where the, the slides... And that's the only thing I can really remember being there were these slides... Around the, the, the petition, there was people walking, moving about, but they weren't talking. They were just walking to and from wherever they were going. And the, and the fellow with the clipboard was standing off to the side of the slides with the clipboard. Can you describe uh, the people at all? Or the they were all wearing the same outfits, grey. Um, there was males and females, but there was no talking. Yeah, so they sort of pretty much looked like a normal human being. Uh, yeah, yeah. But they're all wearing grey suits, men and okay. women. Yeah, so you obviously, yeah, yes. you obviously see the differences between the male and female genders, but just not a really Only in their difference. face. Okay. Only in their face. Not They were all dressed in suits, pants and, and coats. Yep. But um, they were all very stoic. There was no expression on their faces. Yep. They have hair as well, or 
No. No. Didn't have hair. Had no hair. They were bald. That's just amazing. So it's still a bit. Yeah. Okay. I'm just trying to work it. Like the like the same sort of um, uh, features, like as a, the classic sort of grey looking beings, or maybe a little bit slightly different. I don't know, Anthony. I didn't take a lot of notice. That's okay. Um, I I remember thinking, this is weird. This is yep. not a normal playground, and I didn't want to be there. Yeah. You know, I don't know how long I was there. No one talked to me. I didn't talk to anyone. It was very mechanical, the whole thing. You know, the kids, the way they moved, the people outside, the petition. It was all very mechanical. It's, so, it's strange as well, like trying to work out what they're trying to study there. Like, it's like, it's, yeah. are they trying to work out like how kids go down a slide or something? It's a, well, it raises so talking, many questions. Talking to one of these ladies in this group, she said to me, and she, she probably hit the nail on the head. She said, You were their toy. Okay. And I thought, Well, maybe we were, you oh. know? Um, the way they came and took me out of the house was like, yeah, you're going to come with us. Yeah, you know, whether you like it or not, you're going to come with us. Oh, but while we've got you, here, look, we'll show you how to fly. Isn't this fun? <laughs> you know, it was a trade-off. Um, but, yeah, you know, it was, when you look back, it was bizarre. But I suppose it was a trade-off for a three-year-old yeah. to get them to do what you want them to do. Particularly one that um, objected so loudly like I did. Yeah. But, yeah, maybe we are their playthings, even as adults. There's Who a knows? lot of things that go on. Did you um, find any, like, any markings on your body at all during, no. like, after this or as you are growing up? Nothing strange or unusual? No, no. I have, um, I have always had a lot of blood issues. Yeah. You know, with my blood, anemia, too much iron, not enough. Um, after my son was born, they found I had um, issues with my blood that could have affected his development, which, lucky enough, it didn't. And um, three years ago, I was diagnosed with three types of lymphoma Ooh. plus another rare blood disorder which my specialist said to me you really are out of the, yeah this is such a rare event to have all this happen in one person so um i needless to say i haven't discussed any of this with him but um yeah, I don't know if that's all related. Uh, all I do know is that the lymphoma is related back to radiation, whether it be from working at airports near X-ray machines or exposure to, um, you know, abduction issues. You know, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. 
Well, I was just because um, I remember hearing something about um, like uh, astronauts. They when they go into space, they get like a. Like, I just had to look it up. Then uh, space anemia because I knew it was uh, something about it. Um, I couldn't remember what's called, but it's called like a space anemia, where it's yeah. destroying your blood cells. So it sort of makes you wonder, like, if you're constantly being taken away, that's could be a cause for your blood disorder there. Um, just to yeah. sort of speculate on that, but it's yeah. certainly a possibility yeah. and a bit of an explanation. Well, you know, um, as I said, just before I was diagnosed with the lymphoma, my red bloods, my iron count was so high that um, I was donating blood, you know, but yet at other times, just prior to that going sky high, I was anemic. So, um, yeah, you know, anything's possible. Yeah. But, um, you know, it, it is what it is. And now I've just, um, pardon me, got to try and do the best I can to keep on top of it. And, um, you know, pro prolong things yeah. as long as I can. Um, yeah, it's about the best yeah. you can do. Um, look, yeah. uh, look, so uh, last question for you because I know those magpies yeah. sound a bit hungry behind you, and uh, 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 cracking the wobblies actually going to come and feed me. But, um, has your family like had any other experiences themselves, like your father, mother, or anyone, grandparents, and that sort of stuff? Have they? Yeah. Okay, cat. Um, <laughs> um, my dad. Well, well, mum and dad both witnessed the UFO at the coast. Um, mum, mum refused to talk about it. But okay. dad, dad would talk quite a bit about um, things like that. But he never actually said whether he had or not. He was just very open-minded about it. So um, I, sadly, I don't know. No, that's right. I um I could only assume that for his interest to be as strong as mine, there was something there to trigger it. Yeah. So that's all I can go by. Yeah, no, it's unfortunate that they don't have the answers for that, but definitely it would yeah. be something that did trigger it, like you're saying. Um, so I don't yeah. know if you've actually heard, like there's a thing called, like uh, I call it like a, a blood contract or something that, like, something that goes runs through the family where somewhere along the lines... Um, your family sort of agreed to having these kind of experiences there so a new generation will come through and they'll sort of take them in to see if they're the right type of blood or there's something yeah. that's with your body that they have an interest in kind of thing i'm not sure if you're aware of that no no i haven't heard that one yeah it's a different one it's um unfortunately like you're saying like you they just take here and you have no choice no i think that's what makes it worse the worst whole thing, at least whole UFO topic or genre, that you wouldn't have a choice when it comes to abductions and that. But um, same sort of concept, like you know, they'll there's an agreement somewhere along the lines. Not sure how, where, or how beneficial it is to the person, but um, yeah, apparently there's some sort of agreement there where they'll just go through your bloodline along the generations, and they all have experiences. Um, so it's, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm with you now. The the, um, the lineage. Um, yeah, I have heard of that, but after speaking with my kids, because I was sort of curious about them, 
Yeah. Um, no, no, nothing. Nothing from them anyway. So no. for all you know, they could skip a generation and their kids may have something too. So it's probably something well, to keep an eye out when um, they have kids in that and you never yeah. know. It's, it's certainly something that I would like to know personally, like sort of going through the bloodline, if like it does continue on or if it just seems yeah. to be coming to a stop somewhere. Or I'm not really sure, but just for my own bit of uh, curiosities on that yeah. sort of aspect. Yeah, um, no, I have I have thought about my kids, um, and when I spoke to my son about it, he just a couple of months back, um, I think I really spun his wheels because he he never had an inkling that yeah. um, that had happened, and saying so my daughter was a little more open to it. Yeah, but um, you know she believes that anything's possible. But yeah, my son was a little bit, bit more closed off about the idea. So yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, maybe maybe it'll stop with me, Anthony. I hope so because you know um, it's it can be scary. Oh yeah, definitely. It can be scary. And I think that's so. what the scariest part is. Like, is because we don't have a choice in the fact that this happens. Um, what. Humans like to have a bit of a sense of control in their environments, you know, like we lock up yep. a house at night and, you know, we feel safe because that's our control of making sure that we're safe at night. And these these beings or whatever you want to call them, they just bypass these locks and dive into your safety areas yeah. um, and yeah. go past all your insecurities, you know, and it's, and it's very traumatic. And that's that's exactly it. You know, you think your home is is your your safety net, but it's not really. No. It's just your own perception. And I think the other scary part too is like as you were saying when you were a kid there, like you you were awake trying to get to your parents there, trying to run through it, but you couldn't get through the, this sort of barrier. And it's like that's a a breakthrough in control, like breaking the control that you can have. Yeah. Um, where they can just separate you, regardless of how much you try to fight it it's that's well and and you know crazy. that that um that experience actually uh brought on separation anxiety for me when i started school so i was just not not one to be leave the house to go to school i hated it and anything to that separated me from my parents was just utter terror. And I don't know if it was because I thought something might happen to them or that something might happen to me. You know, my, my little brain at the time couldn't make sense of that fear. It was just there, the, the separation fear. So, and you know, maybe on, on the other hand, I thought, well, mum and dad didn't protect me when those things were taken me. So what hope have I got of feeling secure? Yeah. You know? So, yeah. yeah. Like, even when you were saying, like, I'm probably putting on a bit of probably, uh, thought or fear into you, but like, even when you're saying, like, you climbed into the bed there to go and climb with your parents and sleep between them for a bit of safety thing, like, there's stories there where people have been laying there awake and trying to shake their partner awake or anything, like, yeah. but they still won't wake up. And, like, 
even then you still <laughs> even though you think you're safe between your parents and that it's still a strong possibility that you still could have been taken you, you just don't know um, well you know that's that's true i have heard of that um luckily at the time i was too young to, to know about that aspect but um yeah you're right if they wanted to take me there and then with mum and dad there they would have yeah absolutely but um i can't remember it happening but whether I, I actually slept in that bed for weeks or months with them, I can't remember. I, I, there's just no time frame there. Yeah. It probably would have been yeah. easy for them to go and take you too because, like, you're a lot more calm and lot, feeling a lot more safe. And so they, they were able to go and jump into those boundaries there where you're not on guard or something, you know, and just oh. made it a lot easier for them. So you never know, but <laughs> just putting yeah. in fear for thought there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. But... No, it's been really good talking to you, Anthony. No, look, it's and, absolutely um, wonderful having you on here because, um, like, having you on here also, like you're saying, like, talking about these experiences, it jolts back more memories of people who listen to the podcast and, you know, a lot of things go missing or repressed and, you know, it's just a, it's a good job and, like, people like yourself coming on the podcast to go and talk about your experiences there, it's, it opens up the whole entire world to what is actually happening and the realities of things that do happen. Um, is as much as scary as it is um, in its own rea- in sense of reality, but yeah. you know the exactly. reality is there. It exactly yeah. No, look, I'll um, keep you posted if anything else takes place. Yep. But um, yeah, it's been quiet for a while, so let's hope it stays that way. <laughs> leave you alone. Let you <laughs> yeah. let you leave your good old days. Yeah, <laughs> now let me peace. enjoy my retirement. <laughs> enjoy in peace. Again, look, yeah. thank you very much for coming on the show. It's absolutely fantastic on you and talking about your experience there. It's an absolutely amazing experience. And, All right, um, thanks, it, Anthony. It's, it's good as I, it's glad, I'm glad it wasn't an overly fearful one. I've, I've, there's been some scary ones there nah. before, so I'm glad it was a bit more of a <laughs> lower end sort of yeah, scary yeah. one. But anyway, again, thank you very much for coming on. Thanks, Anthony. Thank you very much. Bye See bye. Ya. And that will do it, folks, for this episode of Encounters Down Under. I hope you enjoyed the show, and remember, you can also get involved in the show by joining the Facebook page and getting in on the live streams. Also, please be sure to share with your friends and family to help us grow, and potentially find our next guest on the show. If you or you know someone who has had an encounter, please get in touch with me through our Facebook page via Messenger, or email at australianufosightings at outlook.com.au. I look forward to seeing you on the next Encounter Down Under. Hooroo! Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.